Welcome, everyone, to the fabulous 40th edition of the Metabilis 2 podcast, which features uh, David and Ben. <laughs> Opposite way around this week. <laughs> Caught me <laughs> off guard there. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week, we are going to be discussing the latest episode of our favorite TV show. Um, which is Doctor Who. Oh, um, okay. Is, I was just checking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is Doctor Who. Um, and the, the episode is Thin Ice. Yeah. Yeah, the ice was actually quite thick because people were walking around on it. So, I don't Well, know there was a that's... Thin Ice sign there where the drunk fell through the ice. That is true. That is true. That's when they were still trying to fake us out that maybe there wasn't a monster <laughs> under the ice of some kind and that maybe everyone was kind of dying by accident mm-hmm. um so what did you think what do you think of the episode well it, it was enjoyable more or less i think i, I really appreciated sarah dollard's writing with uh, some really great dialogue great dialogue yes uh i had trouble I, I had to listen to some lines multiple times in order to pick them up and i don't know if that was due to the sound mix of the what I was hearing or just the, the delivery, but quite a few lines I just couldn't pick up on the first first listen to. And I actually asked for some help <laughs> to get some translation <laughs> from English okay. into American. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, actually, funny, I actually had a, a little trouble hearing some of the lines myself as well. So I wonder whether that's, um, I mean, there has been a lot of criticism recently on hmm. recent BBC shows about people mumbling their lines. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that's not true of Doctor Who, but you never know. Yeah, I wonder if that's more uh, television sets uh, trying to mix down that 5-1 sound mix to, to a stereo or something yeah. else. I'm Yeah, I'm just yeah, not be. sure what it is. But yeah, Sarah Dollard obviously is a huge Doctor Who fan. and No, the writing was excellent. The writing was absolutely excellent. Just yeah. at the beginning, yep. the directions that she had the Doctor give Bill are very similar to the directions the Doctor gives Rose in The Unquiet Dead to the TARDIS wardrobe. So there's there's nice bits of continuity, but not heavy-handed right. continuity. The the delicate, the light touches that we had mentioned pr- in previous yes. episodes. Light continuity is the kind of continuity that we enjoy. Yeah, and absolutely. then very interesting setting, uh, the Frost Fairs, uh, the, the final Frost Fair of 1814. The final Frost Fair of 18, 1814. I'm, I'm wondering where the uh, kind of impetus for the frost fair setting came from actually whether that's a whether that's a moffat thing or whether dollard wanted to write something set on the frost fair mm. i mean obviously the uh, the plot kind of relied a little bit on it but actually not as huge amount as i uh, had imagined in fact you could you could have set that during the summer in the thames with the same kind of you know people out enjoying people themselves still get like, eaten yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, mm, yeah, but on. that river fish, the whatever the imprisoned fish was, the explanation for the frost fairs that the fish Doctor had... Who and the imprisoned fish, yeah. <laughs> a, a throwback title to the seventies. Yeah, that will be the novelization yeah, yeah. that Terence Dix will write. Yes, mm. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> keep on interrupting. So, yeah, so the setting was very interesting, and I think you know it's partially Moffat. Moffat had, of course, uh, referenced that with River Song and. A Good Man Goes to War, where yep. she had just yep. come back from skating on the Thames with the Doctor. And where I had trouble with the episode is, uh, again, I think it doesn't give time to breathe. Yeah, And the pacing was a little bit off in places, some places that seemed rushed and trying to pack in too much into a short amount of time. Other bits of time, it seemed to be, why are we spending time with this? It didn't 
make a lot of sense. So there's a lot of gorgeous bits in it with the underwater bits. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought on the Frost Fair set on the Thames was really nice. I thought Pearl, yeah. Pearl Mackie again, just a true star of the show. And yeah. Peter Capaldi is almost in a supporting cast role anymore with Pearl Mackie. I think she just... Yeah. The, yeah, just yeah. the attention just directs on her. Yeah. Uh, I had a real tough time just suspending my disbelief about a, a fish that size. <laughs> and I thought there was some really heavy-handed bits, like with the TARDIS console uh, warning life form detected, and it's a giant, huge uh, snake fish. Yeah, I'm not sure. Has the TARDIS, TARDIS console ever done that before? Well, there's always a first time. It just seemed unnecessary unnecessary yes. and heavy-handed. It's sort of like, yeah. we didn't need that. We knew that something was going to happen. We just didn't. And I think that was mainly there just to try to sell this implausibly large, long fish. The fish must have been three, four, five miles long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like a... I mean, I was imagining, I mean, he kind of had a head like an anglerfish, and it's yeah. kind of, you know, acolytes were kind of anglerfish as well, but mm-hmm. it must have been a lot more like an eel. Right. Um, <laughs> it just it just um, was... <laughs> a giant eel. Um, so, yeah, I didn't fully understand what it was doing, to be honest. Right. It was eating people, and then it was crapping out, like, nuclear fuel or something, yeah. is that? Fish it was kind of like a Godzilla, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, um, God, doesn't Godzilla have little little Godzillaites, Godzillaites that he works with? I seem to remember. Don't know, don't know. Yeah. Yes, I wasn't really understanding what yeah, the hell was going just, on, kind of plot wise. Yeah. You know, so uh, it was a very straightforward plot. It made very sense. But I think. I think Sarah Dollard uh, was really trying to make. Uh, a commentary about you know contemporary issues, but she misses the big elephant in the room <laughs> that maybe maybe we would have been better off if if the industrial revolution was powered by fish poo rather than by coal. We wouldn't be in the climate dire straits that we are today. Yeah, I mean, presumably one you know the evil Lord Sutcliffe right um, could have fed the fish cows. I don't know. <laughs> don't know why the fish had to eat humans. Right. I mean, it could. I mean, he seemed to have access to elephants. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> the fish would have preferred to have eaten an elephant, possibly. I don't know. Um, so I didn't really see again the magic fuel that came mm-hmm. out of the fish. Like, well, what kind of fish craps out mm-hmm. magic fuel, and what kind of fish would only eat humans, right? Rather than other kinds of bio biomass or whatever, whatever we want to call it. Yeah, I'm just not convinced that this fish was only eating humans because the doctor indicated that hopefully it was smart enough now to avoid humans. So I, I so, yeah. yeah. And just just the length of imprisonment of this fish that it's been in Sutcliffe's uh, family. family for generations as long as re- before recorded history and sort of like, why did they imprison the fish for this long? The indi- how they, did they imprison the fish for this long? You see what I mean? I mean, how yeah. did they, how, how do they capture it in the first place? And but even why would they have kept it for so long? It's it's not the magic haddock. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, if it only really comes into its usefulness when you discover that it's that it's boo, it's really right. The industrial revolution is really good for right. funding for supporting the industrial revolution. Right. Yeah, and and, and again, I think I'm getting a slight you know callback to last week's episode where we as fans, and obviously you know we have a particular interest, mm-hmm. are kind of spitballing better plot or at least 
details of the plot that will help make it make better sense. And I don't want to be critical because I really, really enjoyed the episode. Mm-hmm. But one's wondering why this isn't happening, you know, around a, around a table with showrunner and scriptwriter. And they're just kind of trying to find it. Okay, let's try and make this mm-hmm. whole water better. Because I think plot is a, serves a secondary purpose in modern Doctor Who. It's about character. It's about thematic elements. And plot really takes a back seat, especially with, I think... Uh, Stephen Moffat, if it's not an overly complicated, uh, to use his phrase, timey-wimey plot, then the plot isn't interesting. Not that interested. Yeah, yeah, this is a very linear, straightforward, easy-to-understand plot. Where, yeah. we're, where we're questioning in it is, even though it's straightforward, it doesn't really fit and make sense. And so I think the bits that, are, that kind of have to rely on the plot are unearned. Yeah. Peter Capaldi uh, as a doctor delivers a very lovely lovely speech to Lord Sutcliffe. He does. And yeah. it's his human progress isn't measured by industry, it's it's measured by the value placed on a human life or on life, an unimportant life, a life without privilege. Beautiful speech, but then it doesn't seem earned for that place in the story and then to have both Sutcliffe praise the speech and then Bill say I wonder how long it'll take me being able to do a speech yeah. like that it seems like it's it calls over attention to how good of a speech it was and then you start reflecting back well was this speech even really earned it's right. a great speech but it's it doesn't seem to have been earned by the story so excellent writing let down by the trying to cram everything in into 45 minutes it just yeah. the the bottle needs to be opened and the story needs to be able to breathe it needs a bit. to breathe it's breathe you know at, at, at various points um during the show during the story i found myself wishing that the doctor and bill had basically just gone to 1814 and hung out at the frost fair for a mm-hmm. bit um which they uh, did you know, which which I was in, and I, I find myself not really enjoying the giant fish elements, and mm-hmm. really enjoying hanging out at the hanging out at the frost fair. Mm-hmm. I like the interaction with the urchins. I like the okay. you know the the cursory, um, but still interesting you know discussion of, of coloured folks um, uh, uh, in in eighteen fourteen. I thought I thought that was interesting, mm-hmm. and I I would have happily watched an entire episode of them going to the frost fair. Um, talking about the racial politics right. of you know the early nineteenth century, um, seeing some urchins, giving them an apple, reading them Stuart Peter, um, <laughs> and then flying away again. I right. mean that that actually would have been really satisfying to me as, mm. as, 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 as an episode. I didn't really feel like I needed a giant fish and an evil aristocrat and mm-hmm. you know an electronically set off bomb, which of course they didn't have electricity really. I think in eighteen fourteen, mm-hmm. certainly not to that level. Right. It's just you know uh, that just felt I. I was, I, I was ups, not upset, but it was interesting to me to, that I was being I was disappointed by the action and very much rewarded by the characters, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm not entirely sure that that's the right balance mm-hmm. for me anyway. Right. Well, for, I mean, we're old school fans. We came from you know the 70s where it was all plot. There was very we're little little. Ca- very little Characters. character. Yeah. Even though Sarah Dollar does call attention to the slavery and racial relations, I think there are points where she does it really well. I think where Bill, when she steps out of the TARDIS saying, you know, it's it's 1814, hello, melanin, you know, <laughs> slavery is still totally a thing. 
And I really like how she wrote the doctor and the doctor saying, yes, yes, it is. Technically speaking, of course, being a nerd, um, slavery was outlawed on, uh, in, the, on, in Great Britain in the late uh, 18th century. Um, and the slave trade had been abolished, I think, in 1807. Um, so actually, Bill really had nothing to worry about, as was evidenced by the fact that there were plenty of black people wandering around. Right. Um, the actual slavery in the colonies was abolished in 1833. Mm-hmm. So yes, if they'd landed on, you know, in Jamaica uh, or something, uh, Jamaica like or Antigua or somewhere, mm-hmm. yeah, she, she would have been in serious trouble. Right. But la- landing in London, mm-hmm. um, you'd have been fine. I mean, there would have been racism, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think actually, someone like Lord Sutcliffe would have been far more offended by discovering that sh- that the people in his house were of a lower class than him, um, than being in some way a different color. Right. Again, it's a. I think it's an allegory for contemporary, uh, contemporary yep. times. So, I, the writing again, Dollar's writing with with Bill saying, uh, Regency England, a bit more black than they show in movies, and then the, <laughs> I like that. And yes. the doctor's response was also good. Um, well, so was Jesus. History's a whitewash. So, I mean, <laughs> Probably, these things yeah. I think are really good writing, and I I'm still waiting for that Easter episode when we go back to the yeah yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't put your, put your money on that one ever happening but yeah that would be an awesome episode mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the whole demand yeah so a lot of good pieces just wonderful writing lots of interesting pieces some of it didn't feel earned and I think that's because of trying to squeeze this into 45 minutes I just wonder if Doctor Who would be better if for these stories this series if they gave it an extra 10 minutes yeah. For here now, we have mostly character and character moments, and they're lovely character moments, like with Beautiful, yeah. Bill stepping foot on the Thames and yeah. her her reaction to discovering what type of fish was in the pies. You know, when she's saying, "I <laughs> I ate that pie. Yeah, I like exactly, that pie. Exactly. Yeah." <laughs> and so, really good characterizations. I have a feeling. I have a sense of how Bill is, and even how the doctor is around Bill with the whole, I'm your teacher, that's what I do, I tell you things. And right, right. it just, I just want to see the scene right before it and right after it, how it all ties together. Yeah, And yeah. I just feel like those things are missing, and yeah, sure, I can fill in the blanks, but I think by me having to fill in the blanks, then I get the sense that, a speech like later when the doctor delivers a speech to Sutcliffe after cold clocking him. Yeah. It doesn't feel earned. And just the whole, we've not, have we seen where Bill loses her temper ever in the first two, two and a half stories? Not really, no. So the whole, the whole setup, like, well, Bill, you tend to fly off the handle or you get angry and this is a diplomacy. And then the, it just didn't, yeah. it was very telegraphed that the doctor was going to go punch Sutcliffe. Yeah, is, is the doctor was going to do precisely what he said, said that he thought that Bill was going to do. I mean, that's the joke. Yeah, right, but exactly. it didn't seem earned because we haven't seen Bill being a hothead or just flying off the handle or just yeah, I mean, reacting. I guess, so it doesn't I, seem earned. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I was kind of thinking that that was, you know, reference back to, you know, how upset she got about the death of the first urchin. Mm. And I guess in, maybe, in some ways maybe. I was thinking, well, that may, you know, the doctor knows her quite well. He's been right. her, her professor, her tutor for mm-hmm. like, you know, a number of years. You know, maybe she does fly off the handle uh, at things from time to time. But yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. we haven't seen it. It's a good example of something that you're not supposed to do, mm-hmm. which is, you know, tell, don't show. Well, um, or we're, show, filling, don't we're filling in the blanks. 
We are exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And yeah. you're right. It could be he could be re, um, reflecting back to the previous scenes where, with yeah. the outrage, I don't have time for outrage. But she didn't seem outraged to me. She seemed more in shock. And yeah, yeah. Where where the workers are on the wharf packing the fish poo bricks or. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. it that seemed like a really long scene that was all trying to build up what's going on really quickly with an interview cuz we don't have time to discover this anywhere else and yeah. it's kind of yeah. a complicated complicated yeah. theory and then I'm distracted away from that by just wondering okay Bill has just touched one of these fish poo bricks and then she looks at her hand and what does she do with her hand we never see her trying to wipe it off on something and that, I, 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 I really, that really felt dis- there was some yeah there was something cut there right. or something there was some business that it was, that was mm-hmm. cut for time or something which actually you know we could have simply by bill sniffing the brick and making a face of disgust and then wiping her hand mm-hmm. you know we could have actually cut out a lot of exposition like, well, what is what yeah. is this stuff you know mm-hmm. i mean now we're going to go back to kind of detail aspect like right. how are they harvesting this stuff um i guess they're they got, dredging they said they're they, dredging yeah um yeah i didn't really buy that well yeah <laughs> yeah I, I mean i didn't i yes that didn't really work for me mm-hmm. as a work for me as an explanation um i was really pleased to see the return of the psychic paper though oh, i yeah. always enjoyed the psychic paper. now did you pick up what bill said where the doctor worked um you know i did <laughs> Okay, so I didn't. I would, I was going to rewind and try and listen to it again, but so then I didn't. It sounded to my ears like so. You work for the Pumpus. Pumpus. The yeah, Pumpus. The Pumpus. Um, yeah, it's a thing. You have not heard of the Pumpus? Yeah, I've oh, been well, told okay. that it is the, the doctor works for the palace. So I'm not sure. <gasps> It would be palace, right? Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. I'm just not sure. I mean, it must have been the sound mix because I <laughs> could not. I, I listened to that a half dozen times, and I finally really? had to finally had to go ask on the internet, sort of like, what What did they say here? <laughs> well, I didn't hear it either, so it wasn't it wasn't just you. Um, I think they should have done some ADR on that one. Um, I think someone was mumbling was mumbling their words because I didn't pick. I, I could just be the sound one. mix too. So I yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Palace is... Uh, makes again, sense. Yeah, Palace especially makes sense. The, in their, especially with Lord Sutcliffe, of course, he yeah. would defer to the Palace. Uh, who, who, who would not defer to the Palace yeah. and to the Prince mm-hmm. Regent um, at that particular point. Um, yeah. So, hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I Psychic Paper, good to see that. I've all, I love the Psychic Paper. I think it's just mm-hmm. a really clever and there's always a joke with the psychic paper when it comes out you know you know that okay that's the doctor's going to get past the like who the hell right. stage and there's going to be a joke as well so it's it always right. pays off mm-hmm. but yeah i i as I, I, i'm just going to reiterate myself now i'm um, reiterate repeat myself i would have been quite happy with people um with with our heroes just you know just exploring the frost fair mm-hmm. And I, you know, the the, the kind of you know, inverted commas exciting bits with 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 the giant fish, right. just felt kind of rushed and un and un, un, unresolved, which mm-hmm. is a shame because you know very much we kind of you know old school Doctor Who, you know, is is old old school Doctor fans Doctor Who fans, you know, we want to see the monster, right? You know, there's a monster, mm-hmm. there's a monster there. Let's 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 deal with the monster and the um, monster, the giant eye, the reveal underneath the water. I think was really good. The the monster fish looked very good in the CGI underneath the water. It was only until you saw it break water at the end that 
it didn't look quite as convincing. Yeah, yeah. No, it didn't. Well, again, I mean, I I'm not, you know, I guess we're not too worried about right. unconvincing no. monsters. But still, <laughs> I mean, you know, one would have liked to have seen, well, maybe this is right why they didn't do it. But, you know, the entire, you know, mile or so of the Thames mm-hmm. could have broken. And we would have seen the thing kind of thrashing around like the opening credits to EastEnders or something. <laughs> um, but sadly, that, that, that wasn't going to be the case. Hmm. Yeah, don't yeah know. so I mean I think this is yeah I mean this is really as much as I have to say in some ways about mm-hmm. about this one mm-hmm. um, let's hope that they just you know maybe things that are less high concept you know giant fish underneath the frost fair mm-hmm. pooing out rocket fuel it just it's too much mm-hmm. too much stuff um, too much too much stuff to, to, to get over we could have had some far lower stakes um, and had just a good a time. Would there have been a story, though, without it? You need some kind of story. There is some kind of plot. If you just have Bill and the Doctor tooling around the Frost Fair, is there a story? Well, I, I remember going to see Jurassic Park in the cinema whenever that was released. I think it was 93 or something was when Jurassic Park was released. I went to see it with a very good friend of mine and we enjoyed the movie. But I remember saying to him, um, I would have enjoyed it twice as much if they had just had a park with dinosaurs in it and people had just driven around looking at the dinosaurs. Hmm. Um, uh, that you know, having the dinosaurs go crazy and attack everybody, and everyone has to escape from the dinosaurs. Blah 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 blah. Just seemed to me to be kind of an unnecessary add-on to the kind of wonder of like, here are some dinosaurs. Um, and I guess I was right because then almost immediately after Jurassic Park was released, or maybe a couple of years later, you know, the BBC made Walking with Dinosaurs, which was, you know, the, the show that I had wanted to see when mm-hmm. I went to see Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. If only I'd be working for the BBC, I would have been able to pitch that to them and mm-hmm. it would have made a lot of money. But in some ways, I have a similar feeling about these these episodes of Doctor Who is that and you're completely right. You know, obviously we need something to happen. Otherwise, it might be boring. But in other ways, when we go to a place that is intrinsically interesting, and when I say intrinsically interesting, I'm, 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 I'm saying that, that, that Gilead 577 or whatever the planet was last week um, is not necessarily intrinsically interesting, hmm. um, you know, because it's a made up place mm-hmm. and everything that happens there is made up. So it's only as interesting as you can write it. 1814 London is a was and one might argue still is a real place Mm -hmm. Um, and therefore the things that you can discover and find out about it as you walk through it are kind of real um, and and, and are therefore intrinsically interesting in some ways whether we have some kind of fabricated crisis to do with I don't know urchins disappearing or something in, in a kind of more kind of minor way like a vampire or I don't know a Frankenstein um, I mean, we're the right kind of era era for you know Mary Shelley and Frankenstein. You know, maybe urchins are being kidnapped to make a Frankenstein of some kind. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just trying to think of a of a, of a kind of a less high concept plot mm. that would have allowed us and our heroes to wander around Regency London in the winter time, um, finding out things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and have you know, uh, 
a pure historical. Um, you know, they used to work really well, hmm. um, I think, um, until we all decided that, 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 that they didn't. Or even like a very minor pseudo-historical. Um, well, this was certainly minor pseudo-historical, right? It, yeah. We, have, we still have the fantastic it beast. Is actually, it is minus, minus. I mean, again, you know, I, I always think what, what, what works the least well about the Time Monster, which is a... Do I mean Time Monster? Time Warrior. I'm begging his pardon. You know, which is one of my... Uh, uh, very one of you know top uh, top top twenty, maybe even top fifteen uh, show for me. You know introduces the Sontarans. The weakest part of 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 the of the Time Warrior is the time travel aspect of it, where you know these scientists are being kidnapped from the future. Um, uh, having you know Sontarans and uh, you know uh, links. Uh, you know, wandering around medieval, um, early medieval Britain um, is is fantastic. And again, right. I could have watched, you know, a, a many more hours of, of all that happening without having, you know, a time travel plot mm-hmm. as well um, attached to it. Though I guess, you know, that's the reason that the Doctor is you know, aware that something is going on, etc., etc., etc. So, I mean, I think you can lower the stakes... Mm-hmm. With a monster or with an alien. Well, I think um, the stakes were plenty high. If that, if if you were going on the doctor's speech of the uh, the measure of human progress is the value you place in a life, and if we measured the value on these urchins that were disappearing and how important they were, rather it just it gets to, it gets lost and distracted or drowned by the fish. We are focusing on the fish and this, uh, the happiness of the fish rather than the happiness or the poverty of these of the urchins. You're right, exactly. And again, you know, once there's a, I mean, I think we've already done kidnapped urchins, you know, I think perhaps more effectively with um, uh, the Cyber King. Next Doctor. Uh, yeah. Yes, the, 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 the next Doctor where, you know, urchins are being kidnapped to, to kind of power, you know, build a cyber. Mm-hmm. A Cyber King. But you're completely right, actually. I, I hadn't pick, picked that up, but that is another, I think, slight weakness with the writing in that we're ending we're ending up kind of cheering for the fish and we sort of you know forget about the fact you know we sort of forget about that the the speech about you know the industrial revolution and was it worth it Mm -hmm. you know which also i again one could have built back into slavery for instance you know slavery was it worth it right i mean it was essentially you know west indian slavery that provided um a good proportion of the capital um into into uh, 18th century britain um that helped kickstart the um the industrial revolution without that you know huge increase in, in basically free capital right uh, i think the you know, the industrial revolution might have turned out differently mm-hmm. so you know there, there are some interesting things in there which are slightly um spiked by the you know hooray the fish is free right um, well actually the fish is kind of a it's kind of a dick. It's, it's been a, eating people. What's well, a MacGuffin? You know, it's, it's just there's it's, yeah. yeah. Is it an alien fish? I mean, you know, right. I mean, where's where's it come from? Right. Where did it go? Is it still around? <laughs> um, is it you know? Is it like the Scarrison? Did it move to Loch Ness or something? Probably um, not. <laughs> probably not. Scarrison you know. had uh, feet. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? I mean, you know that, that presumably that alien fish is still kicking around somewhere. Mm-hmm. If it is even alien, that's the, that's the other bizarro thing. It's. <laughs> I don't want to dwell too much on the fish because that's where things fell apart for me and started to feel rushed. And just like just with the diving suit scenes were great. But then I'm wondering who's working the hand pumps to keep the air moving, flowing through. I was was wondering exactly the same thing. The urchins would have been great, but the urchins weren't 
fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I again, I was, again, sort of imagining... Did we did we act, absolutely ascertain that those diving costumes had come from Regency London, or were they TARDIS diving, diving suits? That is a good question. Because, again, they didn't have diving suits right. in, Reg- in, Re- in Regency times. Did I they? kind of I imagined... Thought they, I thought that it was just on the cusp of... But, but the diving suits mm. depicted, I think, were certainly more Victorian. Oh, they were certainly ar- archaic in some yeah. cases. I, I was kind of reading them as kind of, you know, special archaic mm-hmm. TARDIS diving suits, um, which had some kind of magic oxygenating device with, with concealed within them. I think that would have been... Uh, would have been good to have uh, spelt out. Yeah, if we'd gone into the TARDIS wardrobe and uh, brought out some mm-hmm. brought out some t- special TARDIS diving suits. In my head canon here, I will say that those were TARDIS diving suits. <laughs> Though then one might also say, well, then why didn't they just do use the regular the regular you know kind of TARDIS um, spacesuits, which would have worked <laughs> just as well. <laughs> good, good point. Good point. <laughs> just as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's kind of like you know, it's it's so long and no thanks for all the fish. Um, <laughs> so we, we 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 liked it, but yes. try harder with the fish next well, time. We, I think is uh, the... yeah. I I I liked it. I just uh, I liked it, and I want to like it more. But I have a hard time wrapping my head around not the complexity of the plot, but the plausibility of the plot. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. What did you think of the doctor, I work at the pleasure of the human race, and asking Bill to make his decision for him? This seems to be a reminiscence of uh, Kill the Moon in the scene with the doctor forcing Clara to make a decision. Yeah, I'm I'm not entirely happy with with that, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems um, unnecessary. Yeah, it's really? it seems to me within character for the Peter Capaldi doctor characterization, but then not really within the characterization of the doctor that we've known in the past. Right, right, right. Because yeah, it yeah. seemed to me almost that he was using it to try to bring Bill back into their adventure because she saw the the uh, the rough ruff, ruffian you know, slip through the ice and the doctor is already rewiring or starting just about to start to rewire that. And then, and then he saw her bill pause. And so he kind of used forcing her to make a decision to bring her back within his story or within the story. Right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems, yeah, it's it's it doesn't really fit with how the doctors operated over you know many right. many many which, many many years, which is fine. It just I'm just I'm not sure what the point is. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, it could tie into one of the thematic things that Moffat is trying to do with you know wiping memory and that type of thing. It seems to be a parallel type of value or measure that's being mm-hmm. applied. And the other thing that it seemed odd. With the uh, Perry, the young urchin deemed mm. the uh, Longford or the unknown heir to Sutcliffe, mm-hmm. that that you couldn't have uh, a, a female be the uh, uh, the the rightful heir, and it seemed uh, the Sarah Dollard is um, presenting a lot of about race and histories of whitewash, but then we have the whole glossing over that. And just with a kind of a shrug, 
uh, turns out Lord Sutcliffe's heir can't be a woman or can't be a girl. Yeah, and I, I again, I would, you know, I, this is me kind of, you know, thinking about the episode almost as it's happening. You know, I would have really enjoyed to have like a pan, you know, we then the TARDIS immediately, you know, uh, uh, is seen to materialize in the Doctor's study um, at at the college. It would have been awesome to then have had some kind of zoom back and you reveal that, you know, the college that they're as part of the university is called Sutcliffe Hall or something, right. or you know that Sutcliffe <laughs> had endowed, you know that the urchin Sutcliffe had endowed the university with the chair that right. the doctor holds, mm-hmm. or something like that. You know, would have just been and, kind of fun to have, but it didn't happen. Yeah, and well, also it just I just wonder. Well, money tends to corrupt, and so we now have this young young boy with all this money was the. Do we know that the other urchins made it and that type of thing? So it's and just, also, I mean, we don't know where, you know, a large proportion of Sutcliffe's money came from, you know, feeding people to a giant right, um, you know, right. space eel. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, that, cause that's kind of tainted money, I would right. said, because it's, it's space eel poo money. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's like, hooray, mm-hmm. the urchin has it now, but it's bad. It's bad money. It's bad money. Yeah, mm-hmm. so anyway, who knows? So we end with uh, another scene with Nardle and a we very, do. very ominous knocking on the door from the inside of the vault. I know. What the hell's going on there? There's, there's some... Uh, again, I, it, was, it was like, has this thing been knocking all the time? Right. Um, uh, so, well, thing. this is the first time we've heard it, but it could be yeah, a good knocking maybe it, for the past 70, constantly. 75 years, right? Which, which would get really, really old pretty quickly. You know, um, and, and Nardole's going, Well, what do you think you know, or what has he told you? And Right, right. And I think, you know, Nardole does a really good, good uh, bit saying, as, You know, as long as I'm still here, you're going nowhere. But Nardole's a little bit wigged out by what he knows to be behind that door. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know, I mean, whether I mean obviously Nardole is is is, is, is Nardole is one of the key elements to keeping this thing locked in. Right. Um, I'm just wondering, well, well then what is the doctor's role? Mm-hmm. You know, if the thing is effectively locked inside a, a vault, right. then why is the doctor there? Um, I hope we find out and right. isn't just kind of fudged over. But anyway, I think we'll find out. But it, how how soon and then will it be a satisfying or will it be a satisfying answer? Or it be kind of a Moffat uh, papered over answer will be the question. Right. The answer right. to the question. We definitely get uh, get more information on Nardle. He was uh, complaining that he never asked to be reassembled and. So definitely an android of uh, some type. Right, right, right. And um, his origins, though, are still still mysterious. Yes, and we and we may never never really know what what or who Nardole is or was. Was he was he organic to begin with, or was he always a cybernetic type creature when when he was working for River Song? I suspect we will never find out. Um, you know, whether he's some kind of Time Lord artifact. I mean, the Time Lords don't really use androids, right. so probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, exactly how River Song... I mean, yeah, I hope we're not going to get something timey-wimey about him, that, you know, he's... I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, whatever. Um, right. Well, we'll find yes, out. Like, we will find out, yes, yes, so yes. With, yes, with Nardle and the tea, is placing coffee in the tea to give it flavor, is that actually a thing, or is that... That's no, ugh. <laughs> okay. God. <laughs> okay. That's I, horrible. I just do not... I yeah. No, I it does actually that. remind me. I was in a coffee shop a couple of years ago. You know how those, those they had they have they have those kind of moan in like syrup things that people put in coffee to like yeah. make it taste like stuff. Mm-hmm. I, there was a, and the, I was looking behind the counter and they had tea flavored syrup so that you could make <laughs> your coffee taste like tea, 
which seemed mm-hmm. to me to be like, well, why would you even want to do that? But yeah, no, that's just, that's just horrible. Okay, that's not I, a thing. Ugh. <laughs> God, okay. no, that's, that's, that's demonstrating Nardole's alienness, is what, that's what uh, that is. Yeah. Uh, okay, all yeah. right, good uh, enough. That he would think that that, was a, that that would be a good idea. I mean, tea's yep. got plenty of caffeine in it. Tea, tea gets you going if you, if, you, if, you, if you brew it strong enough. Well, he was, he was saying flavor, so <laughs> well, fair enough. Well, yeah. Mm. Not, not being a coffee drinker nor being a tea drinker, I just... <laughs> you don't know either of I have those no things. idea. Tea has plenty of flavor. It has better... <laughs> nicer flavor than coffee does i am not a coffee drinker i am a tea drinker there you go yes yeah so (laughs) (laughs) well okay so next week um what's um what's next week's called oh the lodger knock not the lodger knock 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 knock. who's there who's there it's david Suchet. (laughs) and it's poirot You signed the lease. You now signed, it's time to pay. Yeah, ooh, get eaten by my wooden, by my wooden monsters. Now, the, yeah, this one, this one seems to be a little odd to me. I would have just by, um, it looks like it's going to be investigating where Bill lives. I would have thought that this would have been a number two story. Hmm, but actually, not number, number four. four. Yeah, right. So it'll be interesting how this fits within. But we will find out. We will mm-hmm. find out what David Suchet has to say um, yep. next week. David Suchet has to All say. All right. Well, well looking, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Well, um, uh, here we again. We've done about another 40 minutes or so of yep. the of the Metabilis 2 podcast. So thank you for listening to episode number 40 of the Metabilis 2 podcast. I've been David. And I've been Ben. And uh, thank you for listening. If you have been, thanks for listening. Yeah, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, as a number two, at gmail.com, or on Twitter at metabilis2, and again, that's a number two. Hope to hear from you. Bye.